Welcome to Perceptions Today podcast, where we discuss consciousness in all forms. May 2022, episode 27, Krista de Mayo joins us in a roundtable about lucid dreaming, part two of three. Krista de Mayo is an independent researcher of lucid dreaming, myths, plants, and much more. And uh, when he woke up in the morning, he remembered it because he doesn't really have dreams, and it was a really vivid, strange one. And anyway, he went to work and didn't think anything else of it. But then he came back that evening and was watching the news, and there was a plane crash being reported on television. And the plane was the exact model of the one he'd seen in the film. And every every single person on the plane had died, apart from this one little girl. And like this, understandably, like completely flawed him. And he he uh, he was like didn't know what to make of it. But having that experience made him question things more, and it made him investigate dreams, and that got him into spirituality, and then got him into thinking about consciousness and all these deeper aspects of reality. And I've heard this from loads of people who've had similar dreams, and that, that's what I think a lot of premonitions are about. It's to sort of like... This is an instance of the conversation coming up in the roundtable discussion. Participants knew it was being recorded. Yeah, of course. Um, I talked a little bit about nightmares, and then we got away from it, but I did want to share this one bit, and then um, I think Greybeard was, was next. He's had a stand-up for a while. Yeah, it goes Greybeard, and then John, and then it goes back to Sheena again. Okay. So uh, I... Like I said, I, I've had a lifetime of um, pretty vivid dreams, including uh, nightmares. And, uh, you know, up until up until recently, you know, maybe in the last five or six years, did my dreams start to shift where I was um, I, I was not being the victim in my nightmare. I was kind of getting tired of being the victim. So I started to fight back. And since I've been lucid dreaming, you know, it's been incredibly empowering to have a lucid dream when it's an intense, you know, uh, night nightmare situation. And the well, recent one that I had, uh, you know, maybe 10 days ago, no, it gets a little bit longer, but it doesn't matter. Uh, in the dream, I, my son and I were in a building and there was a, a dark evil entity, ghost spirit, whatever it was, there was something wrong in the attic of the room. And I was very frightened because I knew that it would cause me and my son harm. And instead of, I was in a bed under a quilt with my son. And instead of like just putting the, pulling the wool over my eyes, I, I tucked my son in under the covers and I just like marched right upstairs and faced the monster. And it was, uh, if you've seen Harry Potter, it kind of looked like a Dementor. It was just like this shade, like dark, shadowy figure of just pure evilness. And it meant to cause me harm. It meant to destroy me. It meant to destroy my son. And I just walked right up to it and I just started to fold it in half and then fold it in half again. And I just kept folding it in half until I folded it into a very, very small cube. And I woke up and I... I don't know what it meant, except that when I woke up, my dream was telling me that there are situations where I can just face it head on and it's frightening and I know I'm in danger, but I can, I have the capacity to make it into a manageable piece. And that's what I think that dreams, especially nightmares or very intense dreams can teach you is that you can do it. You can handle that situation and it might take a couple of dream cycles to get to the point where you feel successful in it. 
but it can help you have the confidence to know that you're capable of dealing with a past trauma or an individual or a seemingly insurmountable issue in your life that you have the capacity to, to, to address it and be and address it in a safe way. So um, I'll, I'll pause there and go to Graybeard. Hey, thanks, Krista. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. All right. Yeah, um, I had a couple things, but I, um, if you don't mind, uh, I have a third. I want to piggyback off what you were just talking about uh, to only reinforce what you were saying. I had a very similar occurrence myself um, where, where I thought I had woken up in my room. Um, turns out I did not. Uh, I feel this. It was a very uh, – my perception was a very lucid dream at that point. I had thought I had just woken up in my room. And um, you get the sudden sense of fear, like a trauma, like a like, like nightmarish. Um, and, and I could fear, or I could feel the beginning stages of a sleep paralysis. Like my body was slowly leaning back, like I was losing control. Uh, but like you said, you just got to face it. Um, I, I remember specifically just thinking, no, smile, uh, positivity. You know, the energy. I just I was so focused on it, and I was able to overcome it and look it right in its face. And um, I haven't had issues like that in a long time um since then so i, I just wanted to reinforce that because um, you know i think you can control that so i think that's awesome um i, I did want to touch on your reoccurring dreams uh, but i have two scenarios I, I wouldn't mind hearing your input um you, you had mentioned that you could use reoccurring dreams as a window into lucid dreaming um specifically i, I have one of a um i don't know if it's so much more of a house or rooms but it, but it's always a house. Some rooms are familiar, like um, from memory, uh, from childhood. But most of the rooms, I don't recognize in real world. But in the dream, they're no more familiar than the house I grew up in. But they, they're, they're some are very elegant, some are messy, some are vast and huge, some are like basements and, and sewers. It, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, but I have these reoccurring dreams that I've had throughout my whole childhood, where I'm just in these this house. But it, but it feels like home. And I'm curious, uh, given that detail, uh, what could you suggest for me to, to help maybe branch into more lucid dreams in that scenario? Uh, and then the oh. – gosh, darn. Can you guys hear me okay still? No, it's okay. You're still alive. We can still hear you okay, yeah. <laughs> if you drop the phone. My phone's unplugged. Um, so I have to change it. Um, the second scenario, <laughs> being, uh, my Set wife is time. quite prophetic with her dreams. And uh, she gets dire things like someone else was talking about earlier. Um, she gets death scenarios and things like that. Uh, mudslides. Uh, but there's one in particular. She gets this re reoccurring dream of a uh, kid that she knew in high school. Um, and she said she wasn't even good friends with him, but he'll just come to her in like, um, in, you know, troubling times. And she never thought of anything of it because it's always the same scenario. It's always like, in a, you know, very similar, same room, same scenario. He says the same thing until recently. She went through some really hard things. And um, in addition to their challenging um, times, she, she had two friends pass away from high school back to back days. And then on the third day found out a third friend from high school was dying of cancer. Uh, so she was really down and, and this dream came back to her and it shook her to her core because it went to a whole nother level. It was the same guy, but she said the room changed. It was like, she goes, it was like a whole nother world. She went to, to talk to him and she was just shook. She's completely shaken that 
like this reoccurring dream just like changed so utterly real. I was curious of your perspective on that as well. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, I guess if, if I were her, you know, even if it seemed, you know, out of character, I would try to get in touch with them and say, you know, even if it's like, I know we haven't talked in 20 years, but you keep coming to me in my dreams and I don't know what it means. And I like, you know, I don't, I don't know. um, Sorry to cut you off. Uh, He passed away like a couple of years after high school. Oh, wow. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, this person, um, yeah, they were just acquaintances in school. Huh. Uh, just They just knew of each other, and then he passed away, and then she hasn't really thought of him, but he comes to her in her dreams when she's troubled. Yeah. And this particular time, she was just super down, uh, given you know, she had consecutive deaths uh, of high school friends. Um, he came back, but she said it was such a – it wasn't like the old ones. It was completely different. So I guess – have you ever um, – heard of or does it work with you uh where the reoccurring dream just changes so dramatically but it's it's still the same theme but just the surroundings and everything else is just so vastly different and more real um i guess i not to that level i mean because to me that seems like like if she is able to um if she's able to lucid dream she could just uh you know try to talk to him directly but for me, I've never had something, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of shift with with kind of waking life, real tragedy kind of to coincide with it. Um, I mean, that's fascinating because you think like, well, if you, you didn't really, if she didn't really know him that well, why is there this connection still years later, even after he's passed? And that, again, that goes into that area of dreaming where, you know, I don't have answers for, which makes me want to search more for it. Um, these things that may seem like past lives or prophetic or other planes of existence, you know, how, how to, how does that character for her fall into it? Because it's not just, she's, you know, she has a history with them or she has a um, continuing story with them. He's just like this anomalous character that's probably means more to her because she dreams about him than he did when she knew him in real life. Um, as far as your, the answer to, or to my observation of your, your, your reoccurring dream about a house, um, you know, because I'm kind of observing that for myself, I don't have, I don't exactly know how to answer it for you. Um, it, you know, having kind of that comfort and that familiarity, um, you know, for, for me, the, the room that I dream about, you know, if I think about it with a logical uh, you know, a, even a Jungian symbolical mind when I'm awake, I think, you know, that is the, that is kind of the personal heaven on earth that I'm striving for. You know, I want things to be beautiful and comfortable and welcoming and soft, you know, like this is my ideal nest that I want to operate in the world from. And maybe I'm just creating that as the center point for me to be in a still meditative space to kind of emanate my own love for everything else out. And this is the nest that I'm creating in the dream space. And I really love being there. Maybe I'm just creating this idealized space because that's what I'm striving to. I'm striving towards a stillness and a, an openness because that's what the, the home looks like to me. It is just this perfect physical existence for me to kind of operate out from, if that makes sense. 
Oh, that does make sense in so many ways. It's great that you have almost like a sanctuary that you can get to very easily. Yeah. And on that note, if you're on for the next one, it's John, then Sheena, then T-Rex, as in Trent Stevens. I say that in a way. <laughs> Hello. So two points I'd like to touch on. One is the idea of, you know, why do we dream, right? There's theories, many theories about that. And then the next uh, point I'd like to make is uh, lucid triggers, right? That's something that interests me as well. So, you know, of the many theories uh, that, that are out there with respect to why do we dream, the one that I lean towards most, and this is theories by researchers out there in, in doing dream research and at, um, you know, UC Berkeley, all the big universities, Ivy League universities, uh, many of them are, are trying to figure this stuff out. So the theory that I love the most is that we dream to test ourselves in many scenarios. So some, some scenarios are difficult. Uh, some are, are very pleasing. But the difficult ones and some of the pleasing ones stay with us when we wake. They, they can sometimes linger beyond just instantly forgetting these dreams, which is our, our mind tends to just do. And, you know, so the difficult ones are there in a way to test us so that when we fail them, we will remember them so that we can think about those and kind of, uh, you know, kind of at the back of our minds, be, be playing out those scenarios. For example, you've been in a burning building you failed. Uh, that sticks with you. So then you can play out, well, how would I get out of, out of a burning building? You won't go into shock, right? So a lot of people go into shock if they don't know what to do or at least have some some inkling of what to do, getting mugged, uh, crashing a car. You know, How do you handle those crises that occur? And so I love that theory. As far as why we dream, that's, it, you know, it's interesting. I, I think one researcher said that it could be that our normal state is sleep since evolution uh, when we were just single-celled, right? We just normally in one state, we only move to eat, consume. So the way our waking state is a is a rare thing, it really, it's mostly our, our sleeping state that that's more the default mode. Now, the, the lucid triggers, right? I, I love this idea. So there are many, many uh, people have, have kind of uh, listed, you know, things that will that will possibly tell you you're, you're in a dream so that you can then become lucid. Uh, I, for example, I've heard about reading a book I try to read a book and, and I've heard some of the words will start to change on you. That, so that might be an indication. And that, this seems to be a consistent pattern that many people have, have picked up on. Another idea that's interesting is clocks, right? So if, if you look at a clock, the clock might, might be a little bizarre or it's changing on you. One movie I saw, which really interested me and I loved it, is there was a guy that was asleep um, and the, the clock is saying 6.59 a.m. So the, the camera, uh, we're focused on that. We're about to see the change to 7 a.m., but instead it goes to 6.60 a.m., right? That's so it just looks a little shocking to us. Numbers don't, don't do what they should do in dreams. And also phone conversations are strange, right? Try to have a, be on a phone and something's just weird about the phone on the line. That can also trigger you to say, okay, maybe I'm in a dream. Now I can go to lucid mode. Um, turning on lights, I've heard that that takes a while. That the lights don't ever go fully bright. They're always kind of like almost like you have a dimmer, even though you have one switch. It's almost like your brain is just not able to populate the room quick enough, and so it just kind of slowly brightens. So you know, whenever I realize that I'm in a dream, um, which is a very special moment, and I I haven't really figured out how to master it, but when I do figure it, it's, it's just one of those moments that's just wonderful to experience. 
the next thing I do, uh, whenever I figure this out is I just start to float, um, you know, uh, directly. I just, I, 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 my, my goal is to float a few feet above the room and just, and just explore. And I, I, I've always enjoyed those. Those are the most, uh, immemorable dreams that when I'm lucid, I'm aware, yeah, this is a dream. I can do what I want here. Um, this reminds me, uh, I think that it's like meditation. So, um, just like, just like when I'm lucid, I, it only lasts for a few moments because then I'm pulled back into the dream where I'm unaware and, you know, then you're just in it and you're, you're, you know, so you lost your full control that you had during lucidity. Uh, so just like when I was, just like when I meditate by focusing on current thoughts, you, you, you look at your thoughts and that causes the thought to collapse. It's the inner eye looking upon itself. It's the see or seeing. Can you hear me? My, my alarm went off. You just literally lost about three or five okay. seconds. So, yeah. So the inner eye, right? So you, you, when you look upon your thoughts, uh, you, we, you can hold on to this, this meditative state, which is an amazing awareness for a few seconds. But regardless of how, how good you are at this, you could be a monk, right? Uh, it, it will, you'll then be pulled back into your, your, your normal thoughts, right? Without realizing it, you know, your normal consciousness, your everyday thoughts, to-do lists, planning for the future. You know, so, so here's how I see it. I, I believe normal consciousness is very much like a dream and meditation is the awakening or the lucidity of your everyday consciousness. And so I view lucidity, those moments of, of, of amazement that you're complete control and you're able to see your dreams from a different angle. I believe that meditation is the awakening and lucidity of the consciousness of dreaming. That's great because that gives us loads of other areas to really contemplate taking it from your viewpoint. And again, the tumbleweeds go across. <laughs> if there's nothing coming back, then we can go to Shana after you say yeah. something, Krista. Yeah, I'd like to just um, follow up with John's um, comments. It is um, just like you can, you can, you know, become lucid in a dream and kind of let it fade away. Uh, sometimes and often when people lucid dream fully, like they they have that real aha moment in the dream that they're lucid, they're dreaming, there's an excitement. And a lot of people, when you first do that, you will float or fly immediately because you realize, you know, I can do anything and you just get this rush of joy and emotion, similar how a rush of emotion when you are having a frightful nightmare will wake you up. So having that rush of emotion usually will wake you out of a lucid dream. Uh, you know, sometimes having a, uh, having your first lucid dream is only going to last a few seconds because you, once you realize you're lucid dreaming, you're so excited that it, that it just wakes you right up. And one thing that I've, I've learned, and this is specifically through the dream yoga book, um, the Tibetan Buddhist uh, way of lucid dreaming is to with like in meditation to temper the motion, to create this harmonic balance so that you are staying in the lucid state longer and what it is, like John said, it is a mindfulness. It is a meditative mindfulness within the dream state. And that stillness 
um, helps you uh, float longer because you're not spiking up with an emotional rush. Like, you know, when you meditate in the waking world, you know, you're not all jacked up and like, like, you know, spiking with energy of meditation. You're at this really nice balanced, even level place where you can go, you can float out longer. And so I would, you know, if you have had a lucid dream, but you said, well, I woke up immediately, I would just say, you know, congratulations for getting to that point. Now you know how to recognize it in the future. And when you get there, um, try to keep your emotions level. And one that worked for me recently, and I'll, I'll be, do this real quick because I know there's a few people with their hands up. So one of the more recent ones I had, which was um, over the weekend, I, in, my, in my lucid dream, I decided to fly. And because I lucid dream so frequently now, the novelty of flying is kind of worn off. So it's not usually the first thing that I do anymore. And, but in this one, I was like, oh, I'm dreaming. Like, I think I'm going to fly this time. And I would kick up, like, you know how when you kick a dirt bike or a motorcycle to, to get it going, that's how I kind of kick off the ground in order to fly. I don't fly like Superman or like I'm swimming. I kind of kick um, up until I'm above the tree line and then I can fly anywhere. And because it was, I hadn't flown in a long time in my dreams, I was having a lot of fun and I was having these separate adventures up in the sky and I was getting so agitated and emotional in a really positive way that I kept kind of waking up. So what I did was I just looked at the ground in the dream and it literally grounded me. It helped me float back down to stay lucid to not wake up and to stay in the dream longer. And just as a, as a tip, if you get to the point where you can lucid dream, try to do whatever you can to just keep yourself both conscious, both aware that you're dreaming, but not overexcited to be to the point where you're waking yourself out of it. And it takes a lot of practice to do that. And it'll depend on what your situations are in your lucid dreams to stay there but don't get discouraged if you keep waking up when you have your first lucid dreams, because that's very common. It's expected, and you'll just learn how to find your own equilibrium uh, within that. And if you've ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, the art of flying is to actually miss the ground when you throw yourself at it. And that's quite a fascinating chapter to read on how he describes that. Um, I don't know who is next who had their hand up. Shana. Okay. Shana, the floor is yours. I find that really interesting, the way you describe kicking off when you're flying in your dreams, because I do exactly the same thing. Um, I sort of kick off like a jump. Um, and, and, you know, until I'm, until I'm airborne and... You know, years ago, it used to be the case that I'd get too high and I'd be scared and that that fear would wake me. It would make me feel like I was falling and then I would wake. And now I've got to the point um, where I'm able to do what Krista just said. You know, I'm able to just look at the ground and decide, OK, I think I'm too high up, but I'll just lower myself for a bit. But, yeah, you, you can extend um, lucid dreams for far longer than a couple of seconds it takes a lot of practice um i won't say you can extend it for hours uh but you know i can certainly extend them for 
anywhere between 10 minutes to I think the longest ever I would judge at being roughly half an hour. But there comes a certain point where, you know, you think I've had enough of this. I need to get to sleep. Um, going back to what Azure was saying about... Can I just ask you, is that your cat? Is it okay? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's I'm not a problem. As, just as long as the cat's okay and getting attention and being rubbed, she that's wants, the main thing wants, in life. She wants cuddle time and she is getting cuddle time, but she meows to show her appreciation. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad she's getting her attention because everyone needs attention. Continue. I'm sorry about that. Um, oh, no, no, there's no problems. As long as the cat's getting the attention, I wouldn't want oh, us oh, to yeah, be the first thing. That's what it needs. <laughs> She's getting her attention. She is getting her attention. I just wanted to say on the subject of um, recurrent dreams, as Azure brought up, uh, I think that it's important to examine recurrent dreams and look for possible psychological reasons for them, you know, before, before you consider anything else. Um, and the, the dream I mentioned about, you know, being in India, which is a recurrent a dream, knowing my family, um, being forced into marriage, um, that one strikes me as odd because if I had to look at that from a psychological point of view, I would say that that was indicative of a fear of commitment. But I've been having this dream since puberty long before. Um, you know, the idea of being in a committed relationship ever occurred to me, and I'm not a commitment-phobe. And, and that's why that one sticks out to me, and because it's been with me for years, um, you know, since childhood, and it's always the same people, and it's always the same place. Um, so, so that one sticks out to me simply because I cannot, place a psychological reason for it i can't say it's a reflection of this fear i can't say it's a reflection of what's going on in my life um and but i think that you do need to examine recurrent dreams to see if it could be a reflection of anything that's going on in your life any stresses any fears um probably the most bizarre dream that i've ever had and it struck me as bizarre because I was very ill at the time. Um, I remember I had a very, very sore throat. My dad was phoning up um, like, you know, empty nest dad, uh, telling me that I needed to see a doctor because I wasn't, you know, didn't sound very well. And I'd been like that for um, a couple of weeks. And I had a dream where... I was in a room that was all white and there was, and I was sitting in a white chair and there was a man dressed in a white doctor's coat. Um, and I think, although he wasn't my dad, I think I recognized him as being a father figure. Um, and in the dream, he said to me, you know, there's something going on wrong with your throat. I don't like the look of that. Let me deal with that. And he reached into my, to my neck, uh, 
got some instruments, did something with my throat and said, yeah, he's, you know, there was something in there that, that shouldn't have been in there and, and I've taken it out now. And that was the dream. And I woke up next morning right as rain. Um, you know, the, the sickness that I had for the past, previous two weeks, completely gone, no symptoms whatsoever. And that was a truly bizarre dream that I can't explain. That's very um, kind of shamanic kind of- in a way. I've heard of stories like that where, again, we're going to have to classify them as entities that, because the language is not right, came to the person who was ill and cured them while they were asleep. And I've had at least four or five kind of occurrences like that. So this is I, going to be I, fascinating to continue at some point with yourself I, talking I, about. I, I would be willing to sort of accept that as a theory because these are the kind of dreams that I tend to to really focus and question on are the ones that I cannot, for the life of me, explain to myself. And, and I can't explain that one. And I will shut up and hand over to the next person now. Before we hand over, I've been getting some very good feedback for you, Krista, and the rest of the people that have been talking this evening, saying that people are really impressed with the kind of sharing, the engagement, and also what they're learning as well. And Ian D. Hawkins has also said thank you very much for an amazing show. And also, again, talking about the people that are coming back with information as well as yourself. So it looks like we will probably do a follow-up zoom actual event as we were discussing because i think people will want to do that and we'll get opinions as we go along so that we can kind of review what we've been talking about sounds good yeah and then trent we've kept you out there for a long time in the cold but now we bring you in no hey there how's it going it's going well. It sounds quite quiet with you, but the the audio is better than normal for you. This should be better. That's extremely good. The wax is now out of both my ears now, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Ooh, all right. So I honestly just raised my hand because I wanted to ask, was it Greybeard that said his wife was uh, had a reoccurring visitor from her past in, his, in her dream? Yes, I think that's correct. Okay. Greybeard? I would just, I, I would definitely look that guy up. <laughs> like I would definitely reach out, and I think, I think Krista said that, but I, I, that my gut reaction is just, wow, I, I would absolutely be finding that guy, because, uh, you know, it could be nothing, or it could be some crazy shit. Uh, I've had experience. Language. Mm, oh, I've told people before. <laughs> No pictures, please. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I've just had experience with people that, you know, there's people that can work their way into things. <laughs> I've had people in my dreams before that I think put themselves there. So I, I would just reach out to them because that's super fascinating. The same person returning again and again and, and having that meaning, I would I would at least want to see what that energy was between us. They, Greybeard said that the person has passed away, though. It passed away a few years after high school. So the, oh, the oddity that. is that, yeah, he was showing up post-mortem. Uh, oh, wow. And also I have to look him up to see what yeah, he did before is, uh, he passed away. Sorry, Greybeard. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in our young 40s now. So, I mean, we're talking many, many years um, down the road. So, that, yeah, this this person had passed away in his young 20s. But, wow. it, yeah, it's any time in need. 
uh, anytime there, uh, no, she's an empath. So you know, you know, obviously she feels it you know, tremendously. So at any time there's a de- desperate need, um, this dream will show up where it's like, it's in a room or something like that, or in a dining room and you'll just come and talk to her kind of like, yeah. just like a friend, just keeping her at ease. Yeah. But this particular right. one, uh, we were going through a very traumatic period and at the same time, she had found out that two of her friends died and one is dying of cancer currently, all within two or three days of each other. You know, you know, all consecutively within like three days, found out one the one day, one the next day, and then the cancer patient the next day after that. It was like bang, bang, bang. And she was super down. And um, it's that night she had a dream and, and he came back. But this one was just different she said like she goes i didn't feel like she goes i didn't feel like i was here like she said she was just in a whole nother place it was still him and he had a very personal message for her that she wouldn't even share with me but the the idea is that he had some sort of coaching for her but it was just it was just that reoccurring dream just changed so dramatically i've never heard of that before and i was just curious on the opinions yeah fair enough no sorry the whole part of him passing that is a different story wow it is something which I think we might even have to do a kind of discussion on about empaths because we found out there were so many within the actual community as they were coming along. Again, thank you very much to obviously yourself, Trent, because you were passing out information and obviously involved Krista in your Discord. And as I say, we've been mentioning on here the continuing the pod- continuing the conversation podcast and making sure people travel between different environments to learn more and it's great because as i've been listening here and i've been watching your discord several of our people have gone over and turned up in your space as well so everyone's going to be cross-pollinating and get more information which i just think is amazing that's what this is all about man let's make these connections definitely and if krista hasn't got anything to say which i which i doubt because she has got lots of good things to say gray beard and then john is the next one after her part i keep seeing before we go anywhere colette's mic coming off and on i don't know if you're trying to put your hand up or want to say something at some stage yeah that'll be good yeah at some stage so if you put your hand up then i'll keep you in order then i can keep the eyeball of which way around we're going okay Okay, excellent thank you right so krista um, there's a number of hands up if you want to go through. Um, I don't know who was in yeah. line, so but we it's can run through that. John, then Infinity, and then Colette. Perfect. Then after Colette, I'll um, pick back up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to go off of what Shining was saying. Something with the the healing within dreams. Um, what what I find curious is I'm wondering if there's a relation you know, you know, with within the healing within the dream, and then say within. Um, like mediums. Um, I don't know how to describe this other than just giving my, my real life scenario. Uh, some may know, I, I think I mentioned this a long time ago, but my, my son um, had a, has a brain tumor, um, which is. Are you okay uh, with this being recorded by the way, Greybeard? No, oh, no, that's fine. Um, okay. it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's not cancerous. It's benign. Um, but when we were first figuring it all out, um, a psychic, uh, healing psychic out of the blue contacted my wife on Facebook, um, and, and said, you know, she needed, she wanted to do uh, she had heard about our son and she wanted to do a healing free of charge for us. Um, but the requirement was that he had to be asleep. It had to be overnight and she would, uh, then focus and consciously 
reach him while he was sleeping specifically and heal him. And she had told her afterwards how she had met him and described you know, his personality and all that and how she talked to him within the dream and then came back. Um, now, we don't know uh, to what effect this all had. Um, uh, he's best case scenario as far as what we were dealt with. Um, and the doctors are just blown away as, as far as his recovery. So uh, I'm going to stay real positive with that. But uh, I'm just curious, uh, the connection here of like the healing within the dream. So some people heal within their lucid dreams, right? And then, you know, where's the connection with like, say, a psychic healer that also then requires you to be in a dream state to heal as well? I just, I just find that relation interesting. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, um, at least in, in Greek history, a tradition of uh, using dreams in tandem with uh, other medicine, looking at the dreams as, you know, I mean, they, they held value of, of what the dream state was and healing and approaching and discovering uh, the core of why there was a disease or, um, uh, you know, some sort of imbalance in the body. You know, I, that's not something I'm familiar with, but honestly, it was one of the main motivators to get me to lucid dream because um, I have congestive heart failure. I'm 41. I'm fairly healthy. I have a history of heart disease in my family, but it seemed to manifest in me and the doctors weren't really sure why they still don't exactly know why. And while I'm doing uh, lots of uh, natural medicine and allopathic medicine and, you know, working with cardiologists and, um, you know, acupuncturists, I'm doing, you know, all the things that I can, but I wanted to go into the lucid dream world to, to see if that would also be helpful. Um, not to get too woo, but to see if there was some sort of entity behind my disease. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what motivated me to dive into it because I think there might be something there and it might just be the way that we use language to describe it. Maybe it isn't so woo, but um, I feel like there, there is, there is uh, it's, it's worth to discover. It's worth to investigate. It's worth to journey into. I don't really have the answers of how it works yet, but um, it's something that I definitely explore. There is so much to look at because obviously there are documents out there as well as other books, which kind of read. I'm just going to put a few tweets out, which I've been holding on to for those kind of purposes, because obviously we get crossover and we never know where these conversations are going to go when we reach out to people. So if you want John next and then we got Infinity and then Colette. All right. So uh, interesting, this topic of, of dreaming about a person, it's, it's, and it stands out. So there was a, there's a mysterious man that sent me a video. Uh, the title of the video was The Loop. And it, it discusses this man by the name of Charles Hayes. And he's this alleged rogue fifth column CIA operative. And in that story or in this podcast, there's a woman that kept dreaming and kept seeing Charles Hayes in her dreams. Um, she must have seen his picture maybe in the newspaper. He was, I think, uh, being sued by the FBI for something. And and uh, But it reminds me of of these strange posters that were once placed around some, some town or towns in the U.S. where there's a picture of this guy that's smiling and it's and it's drawn and it's a little creepy and, and the poster asks if you've seen this man in your dreams 
please contact us. And there's this, there's this 800 you know, line underneath it um, for people to call. So just throwing that out there, that it reminds me of these strange scenarios where people are dreaming specifically about some man. Um, yeah. That was the big rule. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You're the mysterious man. I sent me that video. Well, audio, yeah. I mean, it's a very good season to listen to because of the occurrences that happen in the Kentucky area. And I'm sure it happens elsewhere. But just the fact of egregores and thought forms and tulpas of just people thinking about these people. It's quite fascinating when you start listening to it. Thank you. Tulpas. Oh, no that's problem. what I couldn't remember. Can you explain that? So this is a very loose form. For example, if we all start thinking about an elephant with a top hat on and we keep on thinking about it every day, we might end up actually having people seeing this elephant with a top hat on. And uh, they've actually done it with, let's get the right name, they called it the Philip experiment where they had 12 people, I think it was, all wanted to do re doing an experiment to show how they could have a poltergeist and connection to someone who was dead. But what they decided to do, the 12 people, was write a fictional character from a time period in medieval, sit around a table and try and bring it into existence and ask it to do wrappings and kind of like a Ouija board connection. And each person kind of supplied a character trait and obviously made sure it was not historically correct so that uh, it wasn't mistaken with genuine person. So when they're all there after a period of time, they found it wasn't working. Then they found out that seances in the Victorian times were rowdy singing and everything else. So they started to do the same thing. Over a period of months, they started moving the tables, started answering questions with rapping and taps, and then started to have a life of its own. And they've, they taught it songs, and these songs were obviously from the 12, but they found that if one of the members wasn't there, parts of the character that was associated to that person who gave it to them, it wouldn't remember its kind of background. So it kind of had a life of its own. But some other people have also had tulpas of animals that have gone around and actually interacted, and they've been seen in other people's houses and things like that. It's an amazing area of intrigue and interest in how you can just keep putting that thought into it if that's a simple explanation really if that kind of fits for you yeah like i love the idea of of manifesting a person into reality or dreams by just talking about that thinking about that and, and i've i've been on on bitcoin's uh, uh twitter spaces where i've stated that the, the manifestation of what's happening with, with Bitcoin reminds me of this, this tulpa where you create reality. Or it also reminds me of magic, right? With the K, oh, yeah, K exactly in the same way. Yeah. You manifest reality. Uh, yeah, just by discussing and believing it, it becomes real. And tying it back into the Penny Royal, because people didn't actually know about this character really because he kind of died out in history, but the fact that Penny Royal after its first season started to get thousands of people listening to its podcast, they were thinking, had they actually influenced 
the town for people seeing him because there were so many different people thinking about this particular character being strange and were they kind of feeding it like charging up a rechargeable battery and then suddenly that battery was at full power and then showing this person and again it was like the character who only wore the one black glove and he was being seen with his clothing around etc around it's all a fascinating thing go and listen to penny royal podcast it is really really good should we go to infinity next hello yeah i will let infinity talk next if you want yes i'm here thank you uh yeah i've been listening in and out for the past uh, couple of hours and lots of interesting comments and uh, stories of what people have had and i think the input that Chris has had has been really valuable and really rel uh, um, similar to how I see things in lots of different ways. And one of those ways um, that I'd just like to comment on is, um, sorry, I'm hearing a bit of echo. I'm not sure where that's coming from. It's, uh, no, it's okay. I found out where the feedback's coming from. So I've put a mute on that person until they're talking again. So don't worry about it. Infinity. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone's sort of trying to make sense of these weird dreams that they're having. And something that I found is that very often <laughs> the weird things that happen are not really to be taken literally. I found that like most dreams, whether it's lucid or not, are sort of generally trying to teach us something often about ourselves or about maybe the nature of reality or something a bit deeper like that. And in order to get through to that part of us, it's not really trying to talk to our intellect it's trying to talk to a deeper part of us like an emotional intuitive part of us so i found that the messages that we get in dreams are very often metaphorical rather than literal so like for example if if you keep having a dream where you're in a lucid dream and you're walking down the same street and you, every time you walk down this particular street you get beaten up by a gang of youths that probably doesn't necessarily mean that in your real life, if you go down that street, you're going to get beaten up by a gang of youths. It's probably more trying to speak to a different part of you, like uh, you've got to face some kind of fear in your life or face challenges that you're sort of shying away from. And I can say I've, I've had this experience a lot to do with lucid nightmares. I'll, I'll not tell the story again, as I told it last week, but I had lucid nightmares for years and so I couldn't get out of them. And, didn't, they only began to go away when I f began to face my fears and anxieties in my waking life. And I'd sort of learned the lesson that they were trying to teach me. And then eventually, after I'd sort of learned that lesson, I had the beginnings of a, of a lucid nightmare. But because I was no longer scared, the thing that was trying to get me just disappeared because it could see I wasn't scared anymore. So I just sort of learned from that experience that the dream was really trying to teach me a lesson. And it was like trying to wave my fears in front of my face in a very visceral way that you can get in a dream. But I, I just wasn't ready to learn that lesson for a lot of years. And then eventually when I did, it went away. And one just short other thing I'll say about premonitions. People were talking a lot about premonition dreams, whether they had a dream about something and then it happened in real life the next day or the next week or whatever. I've heard loads of these stories and very often they seem like they are a way for whether you call it spirit or whatever, it's sort of like trying to wake you up to a wider reality or get you interested more in something deeper, like the deeper aspects of life. And this one really fantastic one I heard was about a man who 
was very, very logical. I think he was an engineer, very left-brained, not at all spiritual, not very intuitive, not very in touch with his emotional side. But he didn't really have dreams very often. And he, he found himself one night in a very vivid dream where he was on, on an aeroplane walking down the aisle of the aeroplane. And um, everything in the dream was in colour, apart from all the people who were in black and white. Sorry for stopping you, Infinity. Um, We're getting a bit of audio issues at the moment. Are you using headphones connected via wire or Bluetooth or...? No, I'm not. Can you hear me clearly now? Yeah, I need a few more words just to check as we're going along. The man was walking down the aisle and he could see everybody sat in their seats. Okay, that's good. I was just wondering, are you using rechargeable headphones or...? No, nothing. Okay. That's good then. It must be yeah, just stop. the world of interference and technology. Right. Yeah, we continue. Sorry. It's, uh, not clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was walking through this plane and everybody was in black and white. Uh, but the, the plane and everything else was in color. But then everybody was in black and white apart from one small girl, about four or five years old. It was in color. And uh, he didn't really think much of this. But And then he sort of floated through the wall of the plane and he was flying around the, the external of the plane and because he was an engineer and he was he had an interest in planes he, he recognized the make and model of the plane and he recognized the livery of the company on the side and uh, when he woke up in the morning he remembered it because he doesn't really have dreams and it was a really vivid strange one and anyway he went to work and didn't think anything else of it but then he came back that evening and was watching the news and there was a plane crash being reported on television and the plane was the exact model of the one he'd seen in the film and every every single person on the plane had died, apart from this one little girl. And like this, understandably, like completely flawed him. And he he uh, he was like didn't know what to make of it. But having that experience made him question things more, and it made him investigate dreams. And that got him into spirituality, and then got him into thinking about consciousness and all these deeper aspects of reality. And I've heard this from loads of people who've had similar dreams, and that, that's what I think a lot of premonitions are about, is to sort of like give us a, a little wake-up call for the people who are ready for it and who are ready for more information. It's like just a, a way in for them to look for, you know, look, look a bit more deeply at life or deeply at themselves. And Yeah, I, I think I've made enough points there, but yeah, thanks for letting me talk. Oh, no. I mean, the information you're giving is fantastic because it does fit in with all the things that we um, look at and the way things that go on. And by the way, welcome, Shadow Fox. Nice to see you there. And also, Colette, we can finally come to you now, which is great. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. I've had. A, I've just come across your um, group. So I'm new to this, but I, I just want to share my experiences. Um, I don't know if it's lucid dreaming, but I dream that I'm flying all the time. And it's such a real experience, you know, and I, I look around me and think, why isn't everybody else flying? And it's so easy to fly in your dream. You literally just flap your arms and off you go. And it's wonderful. I love it. Um but I've had a few other different experiences as well. I was supposed to be going on a sailing, uh, like, small cruise around the south coast. And uh, the night before, I had an awful dream that the boat was in pieces on the sea. Um, and I decided not to go. And they went, they all went ahead. And the boat crashed into the rocks. 
um, and a lot of people were hurt. Um, there was wood everywhere, and it was exactly like I dreamt that night before. So there's definitely something that speaks to us or talks to us. Um, and the other one I have, which is a regular dream all the time, I'm walking down this little village lane, and there's lots of shops, and it's near the seaside. And I don't know where it is, what it's all about, but I, I dream it all the time. It's almost like I'm going to visit that place someday or recognise it, um, you know, and I know it so well. If I was to land there, I'd know it, you know. So there's something trying to connect through our dreams. And I don't know if that's lucid dreaming, but there's something definitely going on. It's nice to welcome you in here and glad you found us. Yeah. I mean, we are a strange bunch as we all talk about consciousness in many ways and forms. I think you are lucid dreaming and I'm sure Chris thinks the same. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Because I don't know much about lucid dreaming. I just wanted to ask, would you like me to drop down as a listener so that more people can speak? Yes, of course. Whatever you want, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm asking the host. Uh, Would you like to drop down okay, as a listener? Okay, we can do that, yeah. I'll, I'll put you down if that's fine and take you I'm to listener now. To have the mic. Yeah, so one, two, three. Thank you very much. So, Yeah, Kristen. I was just going to um, follow up with Colette that, you know, there are um, there, there are different uh, kind of, if you think about, lucidity in dreams as being a volume knob and sometimes the volume is all the way up you know to 11 where it's you feel like you are just a kid in the candy store and you can do anything you want and you know that you're dreaming and you can yeah um, you full orchestration of the narrative and the characters but sometimes the volume is at one and you're just uh it's just a, a, the most vivid dream you've had and you're wondering why isn't everyone flying it's Gets yeah. this that kind of soft um, uh, awareness that something isn't quite right, and sometimes you can turn from that point. You can turn the volume up to three and realize that you're dreaming and have a little bit more. And sometimes the volume falls back down. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it. Who's to say what's lucid dreaming exactly? It's it is there has to be some sort of awareness that you're not in reality. And sometimes you don't realize that till you wake up, you wake up and you're like, oh, I was so close to realizing that I was in a dream. But mm -hmm. having having moments like that, I feel like are primers for you to create that awareness once you're in the dream. And, you know, you can do that with just setting the intention at night and then um, to use this as kind of a pivot to what I wanted to talk about next about symbols and dreams. Writing your dreams down is so key to creating a narrative for yourself so that you can reflect back on it. Because, I mean, what is dreaming but just a reflection of your own self to your own self? And maybe we're tuning into other, you know, radio stations that are external to us. Maybe they're past lives. Maybe they're other people or other spirits trying to connect with us. But so much of it is a reflection of ourself to ourself. Mm. And there's an honesty when you close your own eyes, that's about as honest as you can be to who you are. There's no judgment. There's, there's nothing but you and yourself with yourself. And when you're dreaming, you know, all of your guards are down. And so it's an incredibly honest, vulnerable time to just be with yourself. 
And if you, if you have, um, if you have dreams where you return back to a, a similar place, then that can be, uh, uh, kind of a trigger for you to then go deeper, you know, walk further along that beautiful seashore town that seems so familiar to you, like walk mm-hmm. into a, a house that you haven't been in yet and introduce yourself to the people that are there, like get to know that part. Cause in a way it's, it's it's a symbol of you getting to know yourself and having insight into your own psyche in a deeper and very beautiful way. It's just a visual, beautiful representation of you discovering yourself, whatever it may mean in the waking world. And well, to, to write that stuff down, I feel like then you can also observe it with a, an aware conscious mind um, when you're awake. Well, do you know that road that I walked down in that little pretty village up by the sea, there's um, a building up on the left-hand side. And every time I go into the building, it's almost like I'm not supposed to be there. And I go to the reception and I go, yeah, I want to go up to that top room. And I make my way up to this top room. And you open the door and there's all these really extrovert people, uh, like um, theatrical drama people, all dressed up. And and they seem to really know me. And I walk through and I'm saying hi. And and then it drifts off, you know. But it's the same dream all the time, you know. It's fascinating, really. That's great. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say the day that we actually get the machine that we can tap and record dreams and have them on display for people, that is going to be fantastic. For all the new people that have just turned up in the room, like Peanut and Oil and also Drunken Prayer and also the rest. It's really nice of you to be here, and obviously we have guidelines above, and we've been putting shared information in there. Um, one that I thought that would be of interest to a few people is a dream individual who's normally all in black but wears a kind of fedora, and they call him the hat man. So I've just put up an article within that into the section there. And back over to you, Krista. Well, so I'll talk a little bit about... Um you know, using the dream journal and then talking in a larger conversation just about um, dream interpretation and dream symbols. Before um, you get there, did you want to just yeah. take Open Eyes Project first to see if oh, that sure. was relating to Colette's story? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, hello. Well, I wanted want to uh, just finish off. Oh, sorry. Had we cut you off? I thought you'd finished your story, Colette. Yeah, I'd, I'd finished. Just wanted to say thank you very much for letting me, you know, express that. Oh, no. Anytime you want to put your hand up and be part of the conversation. The reason why we use the hand is just so that I can keep track to make sure everyone has the opportunity to have a conversation. Okay. Thank you very much, anyway. Thank you. Well, I, I have some good news about this uh, expedition I want to do. I found uh, a carving of, a, like, a Jedi person with a hood on his head in california southern california and they have two carvings of the two aliens uh one alien the good aliens behind the human but the hang on one second overnight project just a quick question is this in relation to the lucid dreaming of this topic that we're discussing today well i just wanted to point that out that i'm trying to find people that would might do this um you could we could actually remote view it too remote viewing is kind of like dreaming too 
True, but, that is another way that we shall need to investigate at another stage. Because uh, obviously, Krista has limited amount of time. I just want to make sure that we kept on topic with things and didn't drift yeah. off to a side. But I want so, to get in touch with you later on about oh, yeah, uh, we have a, anybody in oh, yeah, California. I don't know anyone in California at the moment, but oh, I know a few people. But yeah, see if they fit into the right kind of frame of thoughts and exploration. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. It's nice to see you here. I know that you were running your own space earlier today, so it was kind of you to come over and spend time with us. It was great. Okay. So, did you have a quick question for Krista before she goes on to her next bit, or not? It was just a hello, was it? Yeah, it was just a hello to tell y'all that uh, I'm trying to do an expedition in um, an ancient civilization I found in the mountains of California. You know, Excellent. California. Do you have a link or anything like that that you could pass me that I could pass the community? Uh, well, you could find when me it's on done, the obviously. project. Okay, so people who are interested in that, go and follow his actual bio. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we can go from there. And uh, yeah. we'll keep you updated with what his progress is. Krista, if you want to continue. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, as as just kind of a, a, a comedic side, usually when, um, if, if you've had this experience, you're talking to someone else about your dreams. And a lot of people will just kind of glaze over, like, because it's not very interesting to them. <laughs> um but uh, some people really, the other people that are interested usually have opinions about what your dream will mean, depending on a certain set of symbols. And while I think that you, that, you know, because dreams are visual and you can use dreams as a symbolic representation of something, I don't agree that every symbol is universal. Like uh, a singular animal isn't always going to mean the same thing for everyone. Um, and then, you know, I, I put a, a book um, up in the uh, the top of this of I have this big tome of the Dictionary of Dreams. And it's um, a collection of what things mean when you dream about them. And while I think that they can sometimes be a guide of what was that supposed to mean? Why did I dream about, you know, X, Y and Z? I feel like everyone has to kind of come to their own dream interpretation for what it means for them in context of their own life and why it's important to write your dreams down because you will be able to see things that are have more weight and value for you um, as opposed to what someone else has already decided it means because dreams Excellent. are so so personal you know you can only kind of create that for yourself sorry for butting in but i saw him finish he's got his hand up and before the topics kind of go past where he's got his hand up. Infinity. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, I was just going to talk on what Krista said about meaning of uh, things in in dreams, and I think that's a really good point about things not necessarily having to mean the same thing for everybody, and also um, things like like very often people say, "Oh, to know this is a lucid dream." Like you can either you can like turn the lights on and the switches don't work in dreams, or things like that, or like there's no hands on clocks. And I've found that a lot of these things are totally dependent upon what we believe is possible and what we believe is true. Uh, like if we if we are if we have a completely open-minded attitude in dreams, then we can we can literally make anything happen. And 
an example of this is something I heard in the early days of people learning astral projection and out, out of body experience in the 60s. There was a there was a belief that everybody had that in order to wake up, you had to be able to go back to your physical body when once you'd gone got out of your body. So everybody was instructed to lay down a silver cord behind them wherever they went while they were on their travels so that when they wanted to wake up, they could follow the silver cord back to the body and they could wake up safely. But that that is a belief and it. You don't need to go back to your body to wake up from a out-of-body experience. You can just have the intention to wake up and you'll wake up. So like that belief people had for years was like something that they didn't really need and it was limiting them in lots of ways because they they had anxiety go, going around the dream because they uh, wouldn't they were unsure whether they were going to find the body again and things like that so i'd say yeah lucid dreams are as open as you make them yourself with your attitude and whatever you bring to it is likely what you will get and like, like what i was saying about scary things scary things will only generally happen if you are scared within yourself and if you let go of that fear then and you replace it with curiosity and wonder, then you'll find things that reflect that more. It's sort of like they're, they're a very instant and real reflection of how we feel inside. I, um, yeah, I just want to add that. I mean, those are all great points, and I think that's true, and Krista agrees with that. I know that uh, Esther Bell's just come back into the house, and also Mike's got a question or answer. Again, the hand up just means he's going to want to talk quickly, so that's good. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, no, it's uh, what I, uh, Krista, great stuff and infinity. I loved your points right there too about belief, and you know sometimes belief is the context for things to happen. You know, sometimes, but also uh, Krista, as I'm sure you know and you use, you know, dreams are a great resource for creating art. You know, music or uh, I use dreams in my writing all of the time and um, for, even for dream, even for stories. So it, it's, we should all be listening to, it's a great resource for every aspect of our life, really uh, paying attention to what's going on inside of our, uh, our, our hearts or minds, but also being, uh, making use of the gifts that are giving, given to us uh, in, in this kind of magical way. Yeah, I'll pop in a little bit just um, yeah. to to piggyback on that. So Paul McCartney heard the melody for Yesterday in a Dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary Shelley dreamed of, um, you know, her story Frankenstein. I mean, there's lots of creative Can things that have come out of that. Can I just butt in quickly, Krista? Yes. Do you follow Mike's writing and posting? Yes. Ah, so you we saw the art, other, but in a nice way. Well, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, I'm, I'm making hopefully a connection which she hasn't made a connection with. But did you see Mike's article recently about the Beatles? No. Ah, you see, that's where I was making the connection <laughs> that you're talking about. This he recently had an article published. So da 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 da. That's what Thank I was you, bringing it all back to. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Krista. But that, okay. that's like a, it's an imagined dream that. Paul McCartney has about John Lennon and it, it came from an interview that I saw but I, I kind of riff beyond what the interview said um, but anyhow thank you Paul what you were saying Krista no that's great I'll definitely read it um, you know just that that the, the one of the benefits of dreaming and again I think that dreams you know 
you know, even if you're not going to dive into it for a spiritual reason or for health reasons or anything, they can just be a lot of fun and they can yeah. be entertaining and they can be uh, frightful. And if you think about, we spend so many years of our life asleep and dreaming that that is kind of an untapped reservoir of creativity and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, the athletes use it and, and scientists use it and then philosophers use it and, artists use it as, as kind of a, a time to still experience what it means to be a human, but just in the dream, in the dream state. Um, Salvador Dali famously used lucid dreamings for his artwork. He even set up um, this contraption where he um, had a plate uh, um, below his hand and he held a key in his hand and he slept kind of upright in a chair so that as soon as he would fully fall asleep, his hand would release the key and it would hit the plate and it would wake him up and he would then immediately <laughs> capture whatever images were coming through. And so much of his artwork was what he pulled out of the dream world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, uh, I see Estevel has his hand up. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hi. I was just um, wondering what exactly is the distinction between lucid dreaming and regular dreaming because when you're in in REM sleep and just you know prior to waking up or waking up you do often or well maybe not always but sometimes remember I, I was dreaming but then it fades away but would you consider that to be lucid dreaming uh, probably not so I'm just sort of wondering where do you how do you distinguish between the two it's really just an awareness while the dream's happening. So, you know, a normal dream, you know, when you're in the dream, it seems like it's real, um, but you're not conscious of the fact that you're actually just dreaming. So that, that would be the, the delineation line of having an awareness that you're dreaming while you're dreaming is a lucid state versus um, not realizing you're dreaming and just experiencing the dream and then only realizing it when you woke up. But you also got some kind of control over it as well when you start to realize as well. Yeah. That's more of a lucid dream than just remembering a dream. Yeah. And well, by the way, Krista, when you mentioned Zelda Dali's yeah. actual dreaming bit, I've now pulled the link and page and put it into the shared section above so people can see that as well and okay. read the creativity part. Sorry for butting you, Nestavel, but you know how it is between you and I. We always overtalk each other quite easily. So continue. Yeah. No, it's because waking up is not uh like flicking a switch well at least it isn't always you know it's like you can something can startle you when you're wide awake but often you know you're you're really drowsy and you're sort of in this sort of slumbering state not quite sleeping but not really having gained full awareness yet so and that's and and in that sort of i don't know twilight zone i don't know if that's the correct word but you you are sort of dreaming and you're sort of fading out of the dream and then you you're sort of recalling it and then it also fades away that at least that's my personal experience often with dreams yeah and depending on um you know having that 
you're in that liminal space of not being fully asleep and not being fully awake, you can still dream in that. And that kind of reminds me of if when you meditate, sometimes your meditations turn into daydreams and you're kind of in this, uh, just this liminal space. Liminal means just threshold. You're kind of in between the two. And I wouldn't consider, for me, I don't consider that a lucid dream because there is a, there is a clarity, like there is a, a meaning in the word lucid that where you do feel some sort of clarity of recognition that you're aware that you're dreaming, but in that, that hypnagogic liminal in between wake and dream, I don't consider that a lucid state. I feel like you can use that to then go deeper into a dream to become lucid. But, um, I would just, I mean, sometimes those are just fun or odd dreams, but I wouldn't put them in a lucid state camp. So how much um, practice, how much time did it take you to go from that stage, which I suppose everyone knows, you know, has from time to time will experience to actually being fully lucid? It took me about two months. So um, it was two months of, uh, you know, meditating, you know, going to bed and just really first starting out saying to myself that I would remember my dreams uh, and then writing things down when I woke up. And I didn't start to do the, the reality checks until later on the first month, but it took me about two months to get to the point where I had my first lucid dream. And then it was a few weeks before I had my second one. And then it was uh, maybe a few weeks before I had my third, but then it started to um, snowball and became a cumulative practice where I was able to have multiple lucid dreams a week. Um, and then after I had spent maybe four or five months of this, uh, I kind of just stopped because I wasn't sleeping enough. I just cut it all off, but I would still have these moments of lucidity in dreams. And I took about a month and a half for two off and then started it again. So this is um, over the period of a year. So about summertime last year, I started again to, to just do it as a, as a practice. And, um, uh, and, and I was able to kind of jump into it pretty quickly. So within a few weeks of doing it as a practice, I, I was able to, to control and have full lucidity and then start to go deeper into narratives and to storylines of recurring dreams pretty easily. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm at a, a balance that I like. And as I, as I read more, I'm going to reread a lot of these books again, since I'm coming from more of a foundation of understanding what lucid dreams are and what you can do and try different techniques to see if I can deepen the practice um, to kind of ex get more out of it because, you know, it's, it feels limitless. It feels like to me, it mimics how, you know, we are here on earth and, you know, right now we're going up into space, looking at uh, adventures in space, but in the oceans, there's so much about the oceans that we are just unaware of and they're here all the time. And there's, there's depths and worlds that we haven't discovered yet. And to me, that's representative of, of, the, of dreams there's so much there that each of us can individually explore and, and give ourselves and each other so much insight of what we discover by using the dream world as a way to um, be reflective of our human existence. So I'm kind of at that point now where I, I don't have to try as hard because I've created 
um, the muscle that I have muscle memory to be able to lucid dream now, but it did take me about, about two months of very diligent practice to get to the point where I had my first fully lucid dream. And given I had had lucid dreams accidentally throughout my life, this was the first one after I began this practice. Yeah, I've only uh, experienced it accidentally. And it's really funny because, you know, you can go back to revisit, um, you know, locations where you've been before. You you sort of, you. it's like um, when you pause, a, uh, I suppose, a game, you know, a video game, and then yeah. you, and then you, you, you just, you, you just continue when you, when you start up later again. So, and it's really funny and cause you can, you can interact with the same um, people and, and, and things, but yeah, it, it, it's such a haphazard, you know, random thing. It, it's not like I, you know, it's not like an, I can invoke these things at, at will. So not yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I suppose I haven't attempted to, as you have, you know, diligently, diligently, um, you know, trying for months to, uh, you know, with the hand, with the hand gestures and everything and telling yourself before you go to sleep and then the, the practice of writing everything down when you wake up, um, I suppose that's, the, that's maybe the hardest part of it all. Um, it was, it was kind of a pain. I mean, I, I, I reluctantly did it because it was like, I didn't always remember when I was going to bed, you know, when you're going to bed, you're tired and you just want to fall asleep and to have to remember to do anything right when your head hits the pillow, it's kind of annoying to do. And it's incredibly annoying to write down things as soon as you wake up. And I was negligent on that one more because when you're in, when you're asleep, when you're kind of waking up, you give yourself permission to snooze your alarm over and over and over and over again. At least I do. And so it, it did take a lot of practice and it wasn't fun to do, you know, to, especially to do the writing, but I'm here to tell you that it's worth it to do. Cause once you, once you get into the habit of writing it down, you look forward to writing down these little snippets of the dream. It's not an annoying practice. Once you kind of get used to it, you, you look forward to kind of pulling these tiny little threads from your dream world. It, it seems like alchemy to like pull this information out and like capture it in the real life. Um, that then it becomes like a joyous uh, act of ritual as opposed to an annoying thing that you told yourself you were going to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But and one more thing about uh, you getting tired, waking up tired. Uh, don't you ever have that, you know, I have that when, when you dream and you, you're, you're not in control of these things, you can wake up and you, you're so tired from having all these weird dreams and and you can't even really call, really recall them anyway, but still, you know, you don't wake up like feeling fresh, like, Oh, it's a brand new day. Lovely. It's more like, Oh crap. You know, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not even awake, but you, you said, because it's tiresome, it's tiring. So you try to limit it to, to, to twice a week or something like that. Yeah. How just two, two or three times a week. Um, if, if I wake up in the middle of the night, um, and I, and I've had a lucid dream. I won't write it down. I'll just Im try to immediately go back to sleep. 
um, there's a trick it's, or it's a technique it's called, um, uh, waking induced lucid dream. It's called wild where you wake yourself, where if you wake up in the night, um, you keep yourself awake for 20 or 30 minutes. Like some people will get out of bed, they'll read, they'll do something active enough to keep, to make sure they don't fall asleep. And then they'll lay back down. And because you've disrupted your sleep cycle, but you're still kind of in a sleeping cycle in a larger sense, a lot of times you will have a lucid dream when you go back to bed. So there is something about um, uh, waking yourself up and keeping yourself awake in the middle of the night before you go back will help have you have a lucid dream. But if you wake up in the middle of the night, if I, if I am just not, um, I, I don't want to have a lucid dream, I, I want to sleep soundly. If I do wake up, I'll just go right back to sleep. I won't write anything down. I'll try to just keep the sleeping going. And um, that usually works. I mean, I'm not always in control of when I get lucid, but if I'm if my body's tired and I need the rest, a lot of times I'll just kind of bypass like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to sleep tonight. And I, and I won't write it down in the morning just to kind of a lot of times I'm writing it down at like four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning. And if I want to sleep, I'll just like thank the dream and just let it keep going and, and not include it in, in, in this habit. But that means that means that, that it will get lost because you know, I, what did the book say about, because you, you, they, from what I know, uh, a sleep cycle is about three hours from, you know, going to sleep and then you go into really deep sleep. And then, then, then it, it's a, a lighter form of sleep. And then when it's actually quite light, you, you go into uh, rapid eye movement, that stage. And that, that's the stage in which you dream. Yeah. But, but if you have a, a normal um, night's sleep, which is about seven to eight hours, you'll have about three of those. or Yeah, about three of those cycles. So the first one is three hours and the, the, the later ones are, must be shorter. Uh, so all the other dreams, you don't remember those. You don't. You can't recall those, can you? Um, sometimes. I mean, I guess it depends. Uh, you know, I, I usually don't wake up, um, you know, within the first three hours of going to sleep. You know, I've, I've had dreams where if I've fallen asleep and then I have kind of that, and then I wake up like 45 minutes later, I will remember that dream. But usually it's, kind of a really foggy, foggy dream. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's the later in the morning. It is that second, third, uh, REM cycle that the, the really vivid, um, and or lucid dreams happen is later on in the night. Yeah. Okay. Just to add for that, Estevelle, I know of people who obviously they do dream, but they can't remember their dreams. But if they do remember their dreams, they are completely exhausted in the morning because it's so unusual to them where I have vivid dreams as a normal kind of dream state, as well as the occasional lucid one. I never find that exhausting to me. So it's really strange how body chemistry works for different people and probably how stressed they are within the dream because they might be producing the chemicals which are flight or fight kind of thing or just exhausting themselves just through the mental activity which could be an interesting one and obviously before you go on i know that obviously shadow fox has got something to put in no no i was done no i was talking to krista i I knew estevel i I realized you got a good (laughs) pause in there 
Hello, Shadow Fox. Long time no see. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm really um, enjoying what's been being said. And, and thank you, Christopher, um, sharing your time and your, your efforts with us. Um, I'm not positive if I've ever mentioned this in, in one of uh, Paul's spaces. Um, but as a young child, uh, it was, this is probably around six years old that these dreams started to happen because I had a brother uh, that was in Vietnam and um, I would have just these dreams that were very, very vivid. Let's just say vivid. Um, there were times when I knew uh, he was injured and three days later he would we would get a killed in action report and then the military would have to call back and say negative negative we found him um, but I would see the entire thing play out and there was a there was a very very distinct difference um, I used to have this dream now I'm at six years old mind you okay this is a child dreaming and I would have this dream. I would literally, in both of them, it just, there was a difference with frequency and a difference with vibration between the two. There was this unknown soldier that I would always dream about. And I would literally be there. The sights, the sounds, the smells, everything. So the horrors of war at six years old, I was there experiencing it. And it was horrifically, um, let's just say, very, very scary. And I would literally, like, I mean, I we I found out later who this unknown soldier was. He happens to be my husband now. And I would really, like, we were talking one time, and I was telling him about these dreams and this person I kept dreaming about, and I literally drew out a map and showed him and drew a picture of the terrain he was in. And I says, this is exactly what happened. He says, yes, and there was a cave right here. It was just comparing notes. Well, when I was younger, this used to really kind of like freak my mother out because I would literally be in tears. My body would literally be shaking and I would crawl in bed with her and I would tell her of the dream. And she would always say, well, we know, you know, this is your brother. So we're going to pray for him. And this unknown soldier, even if you don't know him, we're going to pray for him. That's all she could ever do for me she had no idea and she just couldn't really guide me and she would literally hold me until my body would start to calm down well to this day when um i would have um either vivid dreams or lucid dreams over time i have been accustomed to um waking right before perhaps that dream ends or right at its conclusion and I literally will wake myself up I don't care if it's during the nighttime in the middle of the night or early in the morning whenever that dream comes to me and I will start it and replay it I will grab uh, pertinent information from it is there something that has to be done I have to be aware of um, but the thing is is that for the most part I have stopped 
that part of lucid dreaming because um, I just keep it open that if there's something I have to know, then let me know about it. So it's just the training for me simply because as a child is one thing about having, you know, being in those vivid dreams and lucid dreams, but to actually literally experience it, the sights, the smells, um, really wasn't fun at six. And um, so for me, I just, um, I've just toned it way, way down. If there was information I have to be aware of, I get notified. But uh, truly, like what Christine was saying is that part of where you, you know, you write it down, that never, I never did that. I never cared to do that personally myself, but I would definitely do a review of the dream. And I have this ironclad, like, memory. So it kind of gets locked in my brain, which I don't think is very good either, but that was my coping mechanism. So in sharing this, um, this experience, it has, there have been many times that my life has been directed, literally directed in a forward motion because of this dreaming, whether it be in the create activity aspects so not all of them were horrible um but i just make note when i know that it's a horrible one that's all i just change it a little bit so i'll leave you with that but thank you so much and and thanks for letting me say hello to everyone <laughs> so i'll give you back the mic here we go i'm reporting to work out who's <laughs> going to speak first no that is amazing because obviously at your age and seeing those images and being able to correlate the information with your husband later on and almost kind of line up the kind of connection points is just phenomenal. And you don't normally get to see that within many lifelines, do you, Krista? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I talk about writing things down because most people um, don't have that capacity to remember one to remember things in detail and then also just to be able to access that world um, as easily. Um, and sometimes that ease of accessing it is too much, especially for a child. So, um, you know, I have compassion for you having that experience um, that, you know, it, it would seem that it was more than you should have needed to handle at that age. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, you know, uh, it was pretty um, frightening for the most part. And again, it was like, you know, my mother used to say, well, you know, tell your angels to, you know, be with you and so on and so forth. But it wasn't until literally I was an adult and I um, actually had uh, met my husband. We were ended up being friends for like five or six years. Um, but he actually was and is my twin flame and it was that was a complete journey in and of itself sorry for um, pausing you there shadow fox many people who are new to our community might know might not know what a twin flame definition is you might if you can just do a pocket definition of that that'd be great yeah well a, a twin flame and this is where there's um quite a bit of I think misinformation about what a twin flame really is. Um, Edgar Casey was a twin flame. Um, Einstein was a twin flame. Nicholas Tesla 
was a twin flame. Uh, twin flames don't always are not always on the same plane. Like one will be here, one will be in spirit. Um, it's not necessarily a romantic relationship as most would uh, understand it to be like a soulmate, for instance. A twin flame is not, you can't find your twin flame, all right? You just can't. It's like you find them regardless, whether you like them or not. A twin flame can be like um, a brother and a sister, a twin flame or a brother and a brother, a father and a father. So as many different components that we would actually get twins or twinness in our physical capacity is the same thing that we can have here. And if you think about having a set of twins, okay, giving birth or, you know, having a set of twins or being an actual physical twin, um, yeah, there's not really a romantic uh, component to it. It's more of the actual uh, journey and a mission. We all have a purpose, each and every one of us, but a twin, uh, twin flame is that where there it's a dual. There's a dual purpose, a dual journey, and, a, and that mission cannot be completed without the other. So that's briefly what a twin, in actuality, what an actual twin flame is. It's like, I guess, in order to make the difference where you have um, a twin soul within the same soul group, and this is the only way I can really... Um, create that difference because it's very frustrating for actual twins when everybody's thinking it's this romantic thing and it it it, i wouldn't wish being a twin flame on anybody okay um it would be the difference of where let's i'll just venture out and say it um it's the twinness of the flame from our sacred heart not at the soul level and so this is where I think I'm trying to make that distinction is if there is um, as correct as it could be. Um, but that's how I, I can definitely express the difference in a twin flame will recognize once they qualify and identify themselves as a twin um, because twin flames will not. It, it's like if you think you're a twin, you're not. Because twin flames as a category overall will absolutely positively deny each other. That's a qualifier. Like, there is no way I'm signing up for this. And um, so anyway, that would be really the definition of it, kind of like in a nutshell. And I really hate to pull the rug out of a lot of people's ideas, but it's because of what the media has done. And it's like, oh, find your twin flame. it's that's non-existent and it's kind of like those dreams that I had as a child and had that connection with my husband Lee Two Hawks that it was imperative that he had some direction from me in dream time because we were both here on the earth plane and there have been many different things I can speak about this for our um, uh, lifetimes of expression in each other's lives. So I will leave it with that, but I hope that answers for the most part. And I do apologize if I pulled the rug out um, from people's perception of what they think it is. So I'll leave it with that.
I'd quite like to answer about that. Not answer, but I'd like to ask a question about that. I didn't see your hand, Azor. Don't make me put (laughs) you in the sin bin. Right. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, Azor. Sorry. So, Artisan, what have you got any, obviously, because like you quite rightly say, there's a lot on the internet about twin flame, soulmates, etc. What evidence backs up what you've just said? (laughs) Um, A a lifetime of experience, um, a lifetime of review and recognizing other lifetimes, a lifetime of experience. Um, it's, it's really that part of the soul searching for itself. Um, as far as, I mean, it's kind of like how, what evidence do you have that you know, like lucid dreaming actually exists. It's, um, you experience it and the the components, because for instance, and I'll give an example, it doesn't, it's not a broad example, but it would be like, um, to help our research and understanding, leave perceptions, today's podcast reviews, subscribe to the podcast along with the other social media accounts and share, come and join our live events. That way we can get together and have thoughtful discussions along with advancing our understanding of concepts as we go along.